Chapter Twelve Point One of the Nine Eleven Commission Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Rohde. The Nine Eleven Commission Report. Chapter Twelve Point One. Reflecting on a Generational Challenge. Three years after nine eleven. Americans are still thinking and talking about how to protect our nation in this new era. The national debate continues. Countering terrorism has become, beyond any doubt, the top national security priority for the United States. This shift has occurred with the full support of the Congress, both major political parties, the media, and the American people. The nation has committed enormous resources to national security and to countering terrorism. Between fiscal year 2001, the last budget adopted before 9-11, and the present fiscal year 2004, total federal spending on defense, including expenditures on both Iraq and Afghanistan, homeland security, and international affairs, rose more than 50%, from $354 billion to about five hundred and forty seven billion the united states has not experienced such a rapid surge in national security spending since the korean war this pattern has occurred before in american history the united states faces a sudden crisis and summons a tremendous exertion of national energy then as that surge transforms the landscape comes a time for reflection and re-evaluation some programs and even agencies are discarded others are invented or redesigned private firms and engaged citizens redefine their relationships with government working through the processes of the american republic now is the time for that reflection and re-evaluation the united states should consider what to do the shape and objectives of a strategy Americans should also consider how to do it, organizing their government in a different way. Defining the Threat In the post-9-11 world, threats are defined more by the fault lines within societies than by territorial boundaries between them. From terrorism to global disease or environmental degradation, the challenges have become transnational rather than international. That is the defining quality of world politics in the 21st century. National security used to be considered by studying foreign frontiers, weighing opposing groups of states, and measuring industrial might. To be dangerous, an enemy had to muster large armies. Threats emerged slowly, often visibly, as weapons were forged, armies conscripted, and units trained and moved into place. Because large states were more powerful, they also had more to lose. They could be deterred. Now threats can emerge quickly. An organization like Al-Qaeda, headquartered in a country on the other side of the earth, in a region so poor that electricity or telephones were scarce, could nonetheless scheme to wield weapons of unprecedented destructive power in the largest cities of the United States. In this sense, 9-11 has taught us that terrorism against American interests over there 
should be regarded just as we regard terrorism against america over here in the same sense the american homeland is the planet but the enemy is not just terrorism some generic evil this vagueness blurs the strategy the catastrophic threat at this moment in history is more specific it is the threat posed by islamist terrorism especially the al-qaeda network its affiliates and its ideology as we mentioned in chapter two osama bin laden and other islamist terrorist leaders draw on a long tradition of extreme intolerance within one stream of islam a minority tradition from at least ibn taymiyyah through the founders of wahhabism through the muslim brotherhood to saeed Qutbi. That stream is motivated by religion, and does not distinguish politics from religion, thus distorting both. It is further fed by grievances stressed by bin Laden, and widely felt throughout the Muslim world. Against the U.S. military presence in the Middle East, policies perceived as anti-Arab and anti-Muslim, and support by Israel. Bin Laden and Islamist terrorists mean exactly what they say. To them, America is the font of all evil, the head of the snake, and it must be converted or destroyed. It is not a position with which Americans can bargain or negotiate. With it there is no common ground, not even respect for life, on which to begin a dialogue. It can only be destroyed or utterly isolated. Because the Muslim world has fallen behind the West politically, economically, and militarily for the past three centuries, and because few tolerant or secular Muslim democracies provide alternative models for the future, bin Laden's message finds receptive ears. It has attracted active support from thousands of disaffected young Muslims, and resonates powerfully with a far larger number who do not actively support his method the resentment of america and the west is deep even among leaders of relatively successful muslim states tolerance the rule of law political and economic openness the extension of greater opportunities to women these cures must come from within muslim societies themselves the United States must support such developments. But this process is likely to be measured in decades, not years. It is a process that will be violently opposed by Islamist terrorist organizations, both inside Muslim countries and in attacks on the United States and other Western nations. The United States finds itself caught up in a clash within a civilization, that clash arises from particular conditions in the Muslim world, conditions that spill over into expatriate Muslim communities in non-Muslim countries. Our enemy is twofold, Al-Qaeda, a stateless network of terrorists that struck us on 9-11, and a radical ideological movement in the Islamic world, inspired in part by Al-Qaeda which has spawned terrorist groups and violence across the globe. The first enemy is weakened, but continues to pose a grave threat. 
the second enemy is gathering and will menace americans and american interests long after osama bin laden and his cohorts are killed or captured thus our strategy must match our means to two ends dismantling the al-qaeda network and prevailing in the longer term over the ideology that gives rise to islamist terrorism islam is not the enemy it is not synonymous with terror nor does islam teach terror america and its friends oppose a perversion of islam not the great world faith itself lives guided by religious faith including literal beliefs in holy scriptures are common to every religion and represent no threat to us other religions have experienced violent internal struggles with so many divers adherents every major religion will spawn violent zealots yet understanding and tolerance among people of different faiths can and must prevail the present transnational danger is islamist terrorism what is needed is a broad political military strategy that rests on a firm tripod of policies to attack terrorists and their organizations prevent the continued growth of islamist terrorism and protect against and prepare for terrorist attacks more than a war on terrorism terrorism is a tactic used by individuals and organizations to kill and destroy our efforts should be directed at those individuals and organizations calling this struggle a war accurately describes the use of american and allied armed forces to find and destroy terrorist groups and their allies in the field notably in afghanistan the language of war also evokes the mobilization for a national effort yet the strategy should be balanced the first phase of our post-9-11 efforts rightly included military action to topple the Taliban and pursue al-Qaeda. This work continues. But long-term success demands the use of all elements of national power. Diplomacy, intelligence, covert action, law enforcement, economic policy, foreign aid, public diplomacy, and homeland defense if we favor one tool while neglecting others we leave ourselves vulnerable and weaken our national effort certainly the strategy should include offensive operations to counter terrorism terrorists should no longer find safe haven where their organizations can grow and flourish america's strategy should be a coalition strategy that includes Muslim nations as partners in its development and implementation. Our efforts should be accompanied by a preventive strategy that is as much or more political as it is military. The strategy must focus clearly on the Arab and Muslim world in all its variety. Our strategy should also include defenses. America can be attacked in many ways and has many vulnerabilities. No defenses are perfect, but risks must be calculated. Hard choices must be made about allocating resources. Responsibilities for America's defense should be clearly defined. Planning does make a difference. 
identifying where a little money might have a large effect. Defenses also complicate the plans of attackers, increasing their risk of discovery and failure. Finally, the nation must prepare to deal with attacks that are not stopped. Measuring Success What should Americans expect from their government in the struggle against Islamist terrorism? The goals seem unlimited. Defeat terrorism anywhere in the world. But Americans have also been told to expect the worst. An attack is probably coming. It may be terrible. With such benchmarks, the justifications for action and spending seem limitless. Goals are good, yet effective public policies also need concrete objectives. Agencies need to be able to measure success. These measurements do not need to be quantitative. Government cannot measure success in the ways that private firms can. But the targets should be specific enough so that reasonable observers, in the White House, the Congress, the media, or the general public, can judge whether or not the objectives have been attained. Vague goals match an amorphous picture of the enemy. Al-Qaeda and its affiliates are popularly described as being all over the world, adaptable, resilient, needing little higher-level organization, and capable of anything. The American people are thus given the picture of an omnipotent, unslayable hydra of destruction. This image lowers expectations for government effectiveness. It should not lower them too far. Our report shows a determined and capable group of plotters. Yet the group was fragile, dependent on a few key personalities, and occasionally left vulnerable by the marginal, unstable people often attracted to such causes. The enemy made mistakes. Like Khalid al-Midhar's unauthorized departure from the United States that required him to enter the country again in July 2001, or the selection of Zacharias Musawi as a participant, and Ramzi bin al-Sheib's transfer of money to him. The U.S. government was not able to capitalize on those mistakes in time to prevent 9-11. We do not believe it is possible to defeat all terrorist attacks against Americans every time and everywhere. A president should tell the American people, No president can promise that a catastrophic attack like that of 9-11 will not happen again. History has shown that even the most vigilant and expert agencies cannot always prevent determined suicidal attackers from reaching a target. But the American people are entitled to expect their government to do its very best. They should expect that officials will have realistic objectives, clear guidance, and effective organization. They are entitled to see some standards for performance, so they can judge, with the help of their elected representatives, whether the objectives are being met. End of chapter 12.1